My name is Skip Stewart, and this is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm the I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital, DeSoto. And hey, everyone. I'm Jake Lancaster. I, I'm our chief medical information officer and an internal medicine physician. Well, today we are so incredibly excited to have Chris Butterworth. Uh, many of you may know that name because he's written lots of books around uh, improvement, but his newest book is called Why Bother? And I love the subtitle. It's called Why and How to Assess Your Continuous Improvement Culture. Chris, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background? Sure. Hi, Skip. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to, to be with you today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. I've been in improvement for over 30 years. I used to work for, for Jaguar Cars many, many years ago, and, and I've uh, worked around lots of different organizations around the world. And uh, I'm a, a faculty fellow with the Shingo Institute and the Shingo Examiner, so I'm very lucky to get the opportunity to, to visit lots of different organizations and learn and see some of the best practices around the world. And uh, one of the ideas of, of this book is, is, is to share some of those experiences and talk, talk about uh, how we really sustain that culture of continuous improvement. Chris, once again, thank you for being here. And you mentioned that that you are a, a Shingo examiner. And and for our listeners, when, when we talk about improvement, the uh, the Shingo Institute gets gets mentioned a whole lot. So how about for our listeners, tell us a little bit about what the Shingo Institute is and how it came about and and what exactly it does. Sure, the the, the Shingo Shingo was um, one of the key. People involved in the original design of the Toyota production system, and uh, he endowed a school at um, the U- Utah State University, uh, the John Huntsman School of Business. And the Shingo Institute is based based there. And the role of the institute is to is to share the Shingo knowledge, uh, run a, uh, run a big annual conference internationally, and several other conferences in, around Europe and South America, and run lots of training and education sessions. And, and the aim of the Chingo Institute is to share knowledge about continuous improvement and to continuously develop the improvement process. Uh, it's very much based on, on clear principles, uh, like such as um, respect every individual and lead with humility, and emphasizes the shift away from just thinking of improvement as a set of tools to thinking about improvement as a change in the culture of an organization. And, and also, <clears throat> we hear about the Shingo Prize, and and you know, in in the back of the Shingo books, you can see all the all the organizations who have have won a Shingo Prize, or I, I, I assume you win it. Uh, that's that's how it's referred to. But um, tell us a little bit about that and and the significance of of winning a Shingo uh, Prize or award. Sure, we, we we refer to it as challenging for a prize. And uh, organi- organizations put themselves forward to challenge, challenge for a prize of a recognition. And really, it's, a, it's about recognizing the efforts that organizations have made. And there, there's three, three levels, uh, there's bronze, silver, and then a prize. And ultimately, the, the organizations have to have been on the journey for a minimum of three years before they can even consider uh, challenging. And that's because you've got to demonstrate the sustainability. And a team of examiners, typically it could be six or seven people, with an organization for three, four days, 
assessing the organization's culture, very much a behavioral based assessment. And the, the idea is that it's a, a way of recognizing the efforts of the people, but also identifying um, what's working really well and what can even at that level go to the, be improved even further. So the, the, the feedback that uh, it's fantastic to be able to be involved in assessments because you meet some amazing people, you hear lots of great stories, and uh, you get that sense of pride and commitment from people that they really think of improvement not as an extra thing to do but just as the job a key part of their job and so um it's referred to as the uh the academy award for excellence is, is, is often sometimes called and um any any organization that uh, gets to that level you can be sure that they have a, a culture where people feel that they are respected that their customers feel that, that, that uh, they're getting a fantastic service. And it's a place where people look forward to coming into work and enjoy being there. So I, I guess let's let's take us into the, the meat of your book of, of why bother. So it, it, it sounds like in order to challenge for this prize, it, it would take a lot of work for an organization, right? It's not just something where they, you know, submit something, pay a $5 fee, and you'll come in and give them the prize. There's some work that goes into it. So, yeah. um, I, and I assume it's not like the Nobel Prize, where if you win it, you also get a you know, million dollars or plus monetary right. reward. So so what are the the benefits? Why, why bother doing something like this? So the, um, it is um, really not something to go for if your reason for doing it is because you want the prize. Well, it, it's actually a recognition of achievements, uh, and we, you know, one of the things that, that, that we often ask of people is, well, why, why, why are you thinking of challenging? And and most of them will say, oh, it's because we need, we want to recognise the efforts of our people. We want to give something back to our people so that they can, they know they've got that what we're doing is working well, and we've got that external validation of what we what we're doing, and we also want to learn even more about what we can do next so it's, it's there's a, a lot of humility required actually in challenging for a prize um it's not something that you you um do out of out of oh we're, we're the best in the world we want a prize it's oh actually you know what we think we we think we, we're at a point now where we've been working on this for a number of years we think we've got a great culture let's just validate that and see where see where we're at now why would you bother doing that is one it's a fantastic learning experience Two, it's a great way to engage people in the organization and, and recognize their efforts. And I go around and I can uh, sometimes doing these kind of assessments and I'll have people come up to me and say, oh, look, we want to show you this. We want to please come and have a look at what we've done. This, you know, we want to share our stories. And so that that's just a, a level of enthusiasm and passion is, is supported by going for something like a shingle award. What sort of organizations challenge for the Shingo Award? Is it is it mostly manufacturing? Is it are it, there are there service organizations as well that that challenge for it? Absolutely, it used to it used to origins is manufacturing, and, and if you go back a number of years, you'll, you'll probably only see manufacturing organizations. But in the last five to ten years, any just about every kind of organization has challenged them. Uh, so you've got financial services in there, insurance companies. 
lots of uh, some military also. So a wide, real wide range, and also internationally. So you know, there's, there's um, I think from memory at the last conference there was over 60 different countries represented at the, at the last physical conference. So it's, wow. it's um, really spreading globally and through lots of different sectors. Well, well, the title of your book, Why Bother, and, and you know, organizations that that start a continuous improvement uh, program process or try to change the, the way they do things or change the culture. T- tell us a little bit about the importance of, of having maybe an outside set of eyes come in and, and look sure. at look at their uh, their processes and their culture and, and make recommendations. So what we what what we talk about in the book actually is initially designing your own. So similar to what Baptist Health have done uh, in terms of creating your own system. So uh, and it's it, the reason for that is that um, every every organisation is is unique and just to take something off the shelf and replicate it and copy it is not going to give you the same level of value or ownership. So what we you know what we talk about in the book is say okay well start with what is it what's the purpose. Why, why bother doing this at all? And the purpose at a very high level would be, let's understand what's really working well so that we can build on that and do more of it, and replicate that best practice. And let's identify where what we thought was working well isn't quite going as we, as we expected and ha- identify how to improve it. So it, think about we, the way I think about it is a very high level plan, do, check, act cycle. And often what we see with improvement in initiatives is that there's lots of planning and lots of doing and then not any checking. So the, the fundamental reason for putting this something like this in place is I've got that check. And then I do, I do the check. I can understand what I need to do better, more of and what I need to change and go through that constant cycle. So ultimately, um, going for something like an external recognition is after we've already put this in place ourselves, we've already done, built our own system, we've got it to a level where we think it's you know, getting close to the top of excellence, let's validate that and understand what does excellence really look like. And what we see in lots of the fantastic organizations is, is they'll, they'll, they'll say, wow, this has been really useful, you know, we, we, we've got so much out of this, we've really fired up our people again. We think we now even can take it to another level. And that, and they're, they're very humble, despite being amazing organizations. So, you know, when I think about continuous improvement and, and why you would bother to have a continuous improvement system is, is obviously because you, you want to improve. You want to kind of march towards excellence as an organization. Um, do you see that with those that go on to win the, the Shingo Prize, that, that, that they are, I guess, in, in metrics that would, that would make sense for a, for a business, an actual better organization, they're more profitable, they have less turnover, they have more staff satisfaction? Mm-hmm. What, what can you tell us about organizations that have these sorts of things in place and, and win these prizes? Um, yes, uh, all of those things. So low, lower staff turnover, employer of choice. Uh, think about if we expand on the principle of respect for every individual. And so what does that start with? Well, it starts with a safe environment as a, as a foundation for respect. So safe, not just physically, but safe in terms of psychologically. So it's actually creating a great place to work. 
So part, I think that one of the challenges often with when people talk about just CI, they just see it as tools. It's some tools to implement. And really that's just stage one. And if you were to design traditionally assessment systems, they assess the application of tools. Well, actually we're just scratching the surface. What we understand, you know, the, the Shingo insights are that ideal results require ideal behaviors. Now, so what are those ideal results we're looking for? Let's define those and lots of things you mentioned there around a great place to work, great customer service, attracting the right people, retaining great people, developing people so that they can actually contribute at the best possible capability. All of those things. We can't assess that by looking at the tools. So, we, so what's the ideal behaviors that we're looking for? And then the second insight is that um, purpose and systems drive behaviors. So do we ever see behaviors that are not quite what we expected? And every organization does, and the tendency tends to be to blame the individual for that. But actually in, in, in Shingo thinking, we say, no, what is it that the system is driving? Why is that? What is it that we need to change in the system to get the behavior we're looking for? So what we, as we progress through implementing uh, assessment systems, yeah, they might start with the tools and then they've started increasingly looking at, well, what are the systems? And the provo provocation that we've been why bother is, well, let's actually really focus on the behaviors. Let's do a behavioral based, design a behavioral based assessment so we can understand, are we getting the ideal behaviors that will give us the ideal results? And if we're not getting those ideal behaviors, let's understand which, what systems and what parts of systems we need to change in order to drive those ideal behaviors. And yes, by all means, then let's use some tools as well, but they're not the thing that's going to give us that change in culture on the own. So Chris, let me ask you a question, maybe from a, a different direction, because I'm so interested in your thoughts, because I know you've been with so many different uh, assessments uh, around the world, is we have an internal process. We call it the Baptist Management System or BMS Review. And instead of examiners, we have ambassadors. So we're getting ready to start our fourth year of uh, reviewing uh, our different facilities and you have to review a facility that's not your own and so uh, we uh, go through that but but when the pandemic hit almost two years ago it'll be two years come around March 1st we had to go from completely in person to completely virtual and so we had to practice on ourselves. we had to PDSA ourselves, and uh, and we've had great success learning how to do that and now we're starting to evolve into something that looks more like a hybrid approach, mm -hmm. you know, where some people will be virtual, some people will, uh, you know, be in person. What is your thinking? What is your experience? But I guess most important, what is your thinking around these assessments, uh, whether it be Shingo or anyone else, as we move forward in this new world that we're in? I think it's a really good point. I really and I really love the the words you use around around your internal assessment. You know, you call it a review. Uh, you use the, the people who do it are ambassadors. That's exactly what we we talk about in the book, uh, because you know, historically people see this as an audit, and that the the reason for the title "Why bother?" is that's the reaction you often organisations often get when you say, "Oh, we, we need to do an assessment, or we need to look at the product." Oh no, not another one. 
another another thing that head office want us to do. Why should we bother doing it? So that's why we explain in the in the book. Yeah, there is a good reason to do this because it should, and don't do it if it's not going to give you value. So the challenge around um, an assessment system is you've got to. We need to think about it in multiple levels. So if it's only going to be done once a year by a team, whether that's internal or external or whatever it could be, yes, that's a value, but it's not enough on its own. So we need to be constantly doing mini assessments at team level. So if you imagine a, 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 an assessment system, we'll have multiple sub-assessments in it. So I, I, I my, my medical team might have a, a simplified version that we do a, a monthly check against some key points on it. Uh, we might, and then we might have a, a, a departmental one every quarter. You know, but we are, it's not, so it's not a massive surprise when we do, when we get a team and then do the formal one, because we know where we're tracking and we know which, what we're training on, and that that should be standardised across the organisation. So the thing around the virtual world is, I think the hybrid approach is exactly where we need to go, because a lot of those local level team ones can be done either virtually or physically if that if that's feasible um and there is always uh, technology today is far better i mean i've done several virtual assessments now um, and you can make them work they actually take a lot more preparation time you need a lot more pre-reading and you need a lot more um in, inputs that you would normally gather by doing gemba that you can't gather in the same way so you you can't just pick up uh, an existing system and say, all right, we'll just do exactly the same and use a camera. That, that, that won't work. You know, you've, got to, you've got to really work through all the, what I call the prerequisites, all the things we need to have in place to make sure that it does work. But um, I, did a, I was really fortunate to take part in a, in a totally virtual assessment a couple of months ago, globally, global team, and uh, it was fantastic. The team uh, that we were, the organization we were assessing had set up uh, a system whereby we did virtual visits to every area with, with a with camera system that they got. So in effect, it was like we were sat on their shoulder, walking with them, looking at everything, talking to people and asking questions like we could have been there in the room. Right? It was it was fantastic. So I, I, I don't I don't think. Uh, there's uh, um, any issue with doing this virtually when we need to. If we can do it safely, physically, then great. If we can get some people physically and some people dialing in virtually and make that work, all that for me is a fantastic model. So talk to me a little bit more detail about the assessment so you know with when i was little if my mom told me to clean my room i might throw all my clothes underneath my bed or shove them in my closet <laughs> if, if if you're going to visit a, a large hospital or, or large facility how do you keep them from you know just taking you to the good floors where everything's working perfectly sure. and avoiding yeah. the you know the the areas that need improvement yeah well the first thing i do is go and look under the bed <laughs> 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 but um, it's a really, really good question. What we're, what we're, um, the way to think about it is we're not auditing, okay? Now, so, so if you got, if we've got the mindset of an auditor, then, then it won't really work. We're not trying to catch people out. Um, it's more, more about confirming what's, what's really working and what help they need. So, if, if we 
have the perception that it's an audit, then people will just hide stuff under the bed. So we have to create the right environment for this to work. We have to create the environment where we say, actually, the reason for doing this is so that we can identify what you're doing really well and help you in the air and get your opinions on what's not working as well as you would like. So a lot of it is, is asking questions. It's the way you ask questions and you ask them with the purpose of being to help that person. So, and if you do it that way, you people are not going to hide stuff because they're going to want to tell you. So here's here's an example. Right? If you go to any member of your team and say to them, is there anything at all that you find frustrating in our systems? How long do you think they would talk for? <laughs> long time. <laughs> so so you 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 because they know what's not working they're having to deal with it every single day so that's what you're looking for and exploring them but you're not doing it to catch them out you're doing it because actually the assessment system should be designed in such a way that it it can identify what needs to change so that you can help them to do an even better job chris you talked about you talked about tools and you know there are a lot of a lot of tools out there to help people with their improvement processes but um, I'd just be interested how many times have you when you're assessing a an organization do you tell them you got the wrong tool <laughs> I, I would imagine not very often um, well you try and be uh, you try try and be a, a little uh, you know it's more supportive, perhaps, but 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 it does see that quite a bit. I mean, some people they will and they will just copy the tool. They've seen it somewhere else and it's worked, and they've not got the right context. Oh, oh, oh well, I have one of those then. Mm-hmm. So I, my my recommendation always is to go back to purpose. What are we trying to achieve? Yeah. Don't start with the tool. And, and what the, do we the, want? You know. That was that was the point I was trying to make. Is yeah. that you know you you've seen all the tools and you've seen organizations be successful with this tool organizations be successful with this tool organizations not be successful with this or that that tool and 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 it's you know that's what we've said many times on this on this podcast is it's not the tool it's it's the behavior and the culture behind the tool it's just just like golf clubs i mean there's a ton of very expensive, nice golf clubs out there, but it's the person swinging the golf club. Absolutely. And and even if you think about it this way, that's a really great analogy because even even the best golfers in the world, they need coaching, don't they? They need support on how to improve their swing. And, and, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with an assessment system. How do we how do we get it, uh, refine it again and again? And and the you know, with the in the book, we talk about uh, one little model is in the book is that we say um, if we design a system, to design a system, we need to first start with the purpose. Okay, what are we trying to achieve? Now, not just the assessment system, but any system. What's the pur- what's that system designed to achieve? When we understand what it's designed to achieve, then we can say, okay, if that's what we want, what are the behaviors, the ideal behaviors that will give us that? If we then understand the ideal behaviors, we can design the system and decide which tools are going to help support it. But often what we see is that conversation not had. People just design the system without thinking about the behaviors. And as a consequence, it doesn't really work. People do lots of workarounds and to, to make it work. And then people have to redes- constantly redesign the system. And you get 
20 different ways of doing it because people are getting all different workarounds. And the alternative is to start with what's the purpose, what are the ideal behaviors, design the system on behaviors, and then constantly reinforce the behaviors which is through the system. So as a Shingo examiner, you've seen a lot of, I guess you've done a lot of uh, assessments for, for those that are looking to you know, challenge for the prize. What are the most common things that you see that prevents people from uh, getting the prize? Uh, well, it's quite a rigorous process that organizations go through before they even challenge. So there's kind of three stages of uh, you put an application in and you have to uh, demonstrate three years of history in that application and lots of lots of qualifying criteria. Because we, we don't want to put organizations through this if, if, they're, if they're not ready. So there's a, like a filter at the front end. And then it, it, when you get that first filter, the second filter is to create what's called a, an achievement report where the organizations write up saying, okay, well, we think we're ready for an assessment because bum, 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 bum. And um, for example, in your own system, you do feed out report, read out reports that are aligned to the principles. And that's the kind of thing you're looking for in an achievement report. We, 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 this is how far we've got. Um, then, then, so that's, that's reviewed by a team of examiners. And if they feel that there's insufficient in there to warrant a site visit, then a site visit will be awarded and you then go to the assessment, uh, formal assessment process. So, uh, once, so at, the t at the point you get a team on site, you've already gone through a lot of review and assessment to get to that level. Um, now, the, the difference between the different levels is it's about um, not necessarily doing different things, but it's about how embedded they are. So, you know, you, uh, to get the prize, this is improvement is not an extra thing to do. Improvement is the way we do things. Everybody in the organization, if one way I like to think about it, everybody in the organization has two jobs. Job one is the day job, and job two is improving the day job. And we just do that all the time, constantly. It's not, it's not an extra thing. So, so we, we're every single opportunity we're making thing, we're making tomorrow better than today. And what you see at the prize winning organizations is they've designed systems that support that. So it doesn't happen. It's not dependent on one or two individuals being great leaders. They have that too. But actually, if they what you're testing at that level is, is it sustainable? Would it still happen if that person left? And they won't, you, you, you can't get prize level unless the answer to that is yes, because it's embedded in the systems. So the answer to your question, the organizations that wouldn't get it, it would be uh, dependent on individ individuals, for example, the systems wouldn't be uh, driving and embedding that behavior as a way of life. So, so I guess sometimes you have organizations that maybe challenge for a Shingo prize, they they don't get anything or they may get a bronze and then they take take y'all's feedback and and maybe re-challenge in a year or two years. Or, or, yes, yeah. I mean, the, the, normally organizations that are in this mindset are, are very humble in, in, in our, so they're actually welcome the feedback. And that's that's a test for me as well is when you do an assessment, of any kind of assessment, not not necessarily shingles, so any kind of assessment. If the if the feed if the response to the feedback is, oh well, you haven't understood us, we we're different, you know, we, we, we don't agree with what you've said, 
there might be an element of truth in that. But the point is, if that's your reaction, then the assessment's probably right. <laughs> so whereas if or if the feedback is oh wow that's been an amazing learning opportunity thank you we need to look at that we're going to review it we'll come back to you and uh, ask for clarification but we, we we really appreciate the time you spent with us then that's more the reaction you expect well chris this has been fantastic i am so thankful for you i'm thankful that you've written about this work i I really believe this is a really important piece of work. Uh, you know, uh, even though we're four years into our own process with our uh, Baptist Management System Review and our ambassadors, in some respects, it feels like we're still just getting started. Uh, it's been a great leadership development for our various leaders. Uh, we have uh, physicians like Dr. Lancaster and Dr. Mason and and many CEOs and directors and so forth that are involved. But I just want to say personally, thank you, Chris. Thank you for the work that you do. And on behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, just thank you for being on the podcast today. All right. Thank, thank you very much for, for the opportunity to have the conversation. With I, I, always, I always learn from these questions. And so thank, thank, thank you for that. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris.